All right, good evening, Exchange. It's good to see you. I want you to give yourself a big round of applause. You guys are making an impact that you don't even know about in our church. At Grace Family Church, everybody knows who the exchange is. On our leadership team, we know you guys because you guys are moving the needle in such a way that the adults are going, we need to do what they're doing. And I tell you, it's exciting to see that. I want to say before I start, a special thank you to Pastor Mark who is not with us tonight, but I tell you, Pastor Mark and Michelle are doing an amazing job of leading you guys, and I love your pastor. And when he came to me and he said, hey, we're doing this series called It's Personal, and asked me to speak, I I feel honored for one thing, but I am really pumped about sharing with you guys. One thing that we talked about when we discussed it, he says, you know, you're kind of old, so you might have a really good perspective on this. And he's right, so I'm just going to tell you, I'm 55 years old. Now, here's why it's exciting. I've known Jesus for 44 of those years. Now, yeah, you can clap for that. 44 years, and I'm going to get to that, but before I do, I want to also introduce someone who's very special to me, and that is my wife is with me tonight. That is Pastor Kristen Bonham. And we've been married for 35 years. And I'm going to show you a picture because I said, you know, I think we should do something that will relate to this age group. So let's show them what we look like when we would have been. And Okay, they put it up faster than I thought. That's us. We, I guess we're doing a dental of something. I don't know. All the teeth are just popping out. That's, that's, what you, that's what I used to look like. And this is what you're going to look like when you're 55, guys. No, no, you're going to look a lot better. So that was us a long time ago. Um, I want to tell you, I want to start by saying 44 years, what does that look like? Well, the year was 1979. That is over 16,000 days ago. And there's a couple milestones in that year that you might think is kind of cool. Like, has anybody ever heard of Jimi Hendrix? Oh, good. So you listen to secular music. That's awesome. And and, and unfortunately, that was the year he died. I'm sorry. But but Jimi Hendrix was an amazing guitarist. He died that year. Now, anybody, this is a good one for if you love to be uh, a game, a board game player. That was the year Trivial Pursuit came out. And here's the ones that I thought were really interesting. It was also the year that the snowboard was invented. And this is what they look like. Nothing like what they look like today. And also, this is the year some really smart guys from the group called the Oxford University Dangerous Sports Club did the first bungee jump, yes, ever. And this is what they did. That was actually the guy doing it. Uh, Luckily, they were smart enough to do it over a river. That was good. In 1979, Rocky II was the hit movie. Not five, but two. A new house cost $58,000. Now, just to put that in today's terms, an Audi 6 cost $58,000, or it could if you don't get all the bells and whistles. The monthly rent was $280 a month. That's what we could feed a family of four on today for a week. And gas was 86 cents. I know, that would be a life changer. The funny thing is, when I read that, my first thought was, does anybody use coins anymore? How did you actually get to 86 cents? So what I want to talk to you about tonight is how do you own your journey with God? I want to keep it very simple. It's going to be practical at the beginning, but I really feel like God gave me a word to challenge us. And I want to start with this phrase, ownership comes with a price tag. It will always cost you something. 
If you're going to own your relationship with God, let me just be straight up. It's going to cost you something. Anybody here ever had a puppy growing up? Did you have to take care of it? Did you have to give it water and food and walk it? And you learned really quickly as a child or growing up what ownership is. If you own something that's really precious to you, you have to do something. Either you paid for it and bought it, you have to maintain it, you need to take care of it, you need to nurture it. And what more that needs nurturing than our relationship with God? So you know that ownership comes with a price tag. I'm gonna give you three things that are gonna help you own your relationship for the rest of your life. First one, do it one day at a time. I think today people live in, shame, in the shame of yesterday and the fear of tomorrow. I want you to think about that for a moment. There are people, we hear the phrase, hey, you gotta live in the present, you gotta live in the moment, and there's a lot of great truth to that. In fact, it is a very healthy biblical way to live. And we should be learning from the things of our past. We make mistakes, we have victories, and when we go through that, we should look at those and say, I am going to be better tomorrow because of my past. And we should look at tomorrow with great anticipation, knowing that God is with us, that he's gonna do amazing things, and we can say, I don't know what's out there, but I know that God's gonna go with me. It's gonna be amazing, but you know what happens? We go through our day and we make a mistake or we sin or we do something we know we shouldn't do and all of a sudden this shame and this guilt comes on us and we go, oh, you know what? God says he can forgive anything but he won't forgive that and we stay there and we get caught in that and instead of moving forward and instead of taking his forgiveness, we say, you know what? I'm, it's easier for me just to pick up the backpack of shame and I'll just carry that from now on. And there are people that God is looking at, and I'm looking at you and going, you guys are making such an impact, but what greater impact would you make if you didn't have a shame or guilt that you carry around all the time? I look at the future, and when I look at that, it's, it's scary because I'll be honest with you, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I get up when I pray, I pray this. I, I, usually, I pray this almost every day. God, I don't know what I'm gonna face today. And when I go in there, I don't know what conversations I'm going to have. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't understand everything that's going on in this situation. But will you go with me? Because I don't know if I can do this myself. I do. Now, after 44 years, you would think I have a lot figured out. And I can say I have a lot of experience and stuff like that. But there is a fear that paralyzes, and I know why. Because there's a statistic that I've read about this age group that when I read it, it, I, was, I was shocked, and then I was mad because I think the enemy is lying to people in this age group. The statistic is very simple. It said in the year 2020 that one in four young adults between ages 18 to 24, so if you're older than that, just take the fact, if, that one in four young adults have contemplated suicide in the previous month. Now there's probably, let's just say there's 400 people in this room this whole section thought about suicide last month. That's crazy. You guys have everything in front of you. You have so much talent, so much gifting. You have so much information at your fingertips. And that's the statistic I read. Because there's a fear, excuse me, there's a fear of what we don't know. There's a guilt of what we've done. And God's saying, I'm bigger than all that. I know. When I was in my 
late 30s, early 40s, my wife was writing a, a curriculum we call Freedom. And we use it at the church. And as she's writing it, she goes, you need to look at this. And as I'm looking at it, I'm realizing I need to get free. I was struggling with fear of people, fear of insecurity. I wanted everyone to think I was really good and really smart and just a great pastor. And I had um, people, please. I wanted everybody to think I was just something I wasn't because I didn't think I was that good. And when I went through that course, and when I got before God and I said, you know what? I don't want to live in the fear of the future, and I don't want to live in the guilt of the past. I want total freedom from those three things. God wiped it clean. He did a miracle in my heart, and every day those things knock on my heart, and they go, don't you want to be afraid? Don't you want all of the exchange to think you're the coolest guy up there? You know, you're the 55-year-old that they just want to hang out with? <laughs> You don't want that, believe me, I promise you. But here's the thing, every day those things come up and they say, I wanna hold on to you, and I'm going, I don't wanna hold on to you. And you don't, want that, you don't want them to hold on to you and you don't wanna hold on to it. So if you wanna make it a lifetime with Jesus, live today, deal with the past, learn from it, and run to the future with great anticipation and trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Number two, Discipline equals freedom. Now, there is a guy who used this phrase, and I thought it was a great phrase, and I'm going to give him all the credit. His name is Jocko, what a great name, Willink. He said, discipline equals freedom. And what that means is this. There are things that you can build into your life that will prevent a lot of bad things from happening, but it's a choice. The discipline or the boundaries or the things you do will prevent you from being in situations where you're going to be challenged mentally, spiritually, physically, and things that would take you away from your relationship with God. Um, about five years ago, I got to do something I've never done in my life. I actually took a 30-day sabbatical, which means I took 30 days off from the church. So for the first time in 32 years, or that time, 27 years, I wasn't a pastor for 30 days. It was amazing. <laughs> the church thought it was amazing too. They were like, man, well, I hope you come back. The thing that was fascinating about it was this, is I learned during those, that time, what are things that refresh me? And I found out that if I work out every day, if I read my Bible or do some type of devotion with God every day, and I read, just have a reading time, I'm gonna be charged up. I'm wired as an introvert, and so for me, it's kinda of cool to just get some quiet time, and I get fed back up. So no matter what I face that day, I'm, I've got the energy to go into it. And so what I learned is, that when I came off the sabbatical, I said, I'm gonna do that every day as best I can. Those are good disciplines. The good disciplines for you are to spend time with God, whether it's reading the Bible. Some people like to read the Bible. I love Jalen's story because it's, it's true. We get intimidated by reading the Bible. Some people like to pray, and I think that's awesome. Some people like to do worship. Some people, and you gotta be disciplined to do this one, is they like to sit in quiet, in solitude, and not fall asleep like I do. It's amazing. <laughs> But when you do that, God speaks to you. Those are great disciplines, but here's the disciplines that are gonna help you make it each day. You're gonna need a discipline that helps you in overwhelming situations. And they're out there. You know why? Because the Bible tells you they're gonna come. In Matthew, it says, there will be trouble. 
He doesn't say, if you're a great Christian, you're only going to get the junior trouble. If you really go to church every week or if you go to exchange every week, you're just going to have minor problems. No. In fact, he says, if you are walking in a relationship with Jesus, you are going to have troubles. So the disciplines, the spending time with God's word, spending time in his presence, spending time with God, building that relationship, allows you to face the chaos with Jesus. And when you do that, that discipline of spending time in that relationship, it takes overwhelming situations and makes them manageable. Because you know why? If Chris tries to deal with it, if I've got a bad day and I try to bring all my gifts and all my talents and all my strengths and all my wisdom and all my experience, I am probably going to be better to fit that moment than most of you because of my age and the things I've done but I am nothing compared to the unlimited power that Jesus Christ brings to any situation. And when you invite God into it, he does far more than you can imagine. So that discipline of building that relationship is going to help. But here's some other ones. What about discipline in our proximity? And what, do you, when, what happens when you go into environments that you know you shouldn't be at? There's temptations there. There are things that you know you shouldn't be looking at. There's things you shouldn't be listening to. Those type of environments will pull you away from God. Connections. There are people. There are relationships that are toxic. And I know right now I am stepping on some toes with a smile on my face because I love you. I love this group. You guys are going to do far more than I can imagine. You're going to do far more than my generation. And do you think the enemy is just going to sit there and go, well, let's watch what they do. He's going to put every roadblock in your way. He's going to bring that really great person that you love so much that just loves to pull you down and get you to walk around carrying their burdens for them. Guys, you've got to look at those relationships. If they're not life-giving, you are worth way more than that. I told all three of my kids when I was raising them, and, and Kristen was raising them too. She was there. Um, <laughs> Okay, she did a way better job than I did. No, I said, here's the challenge. You are a top-shelf person. I'm going to look at you. If no one's told you that, let me just stop, because I feel like this is, a, this is a good moment. If no one has told you how good you are and how talented you are and how beautiful you are, how handsome you are, let me be the first to do that today. Okay? By the same token, that is attractional to somebody who needs a lifeline. And we are called as Christians to help people through those life situations. I'm not saying you turn your back on people when they need help, but there are people that are toxic, that are pulling you down, that you need to say, I'm worth more than that. And smile when you do it. Okay? Last one is, we can actually get into addictions. and what, we, we can easily say that's something like drugs or anything like that, and Yes, we all know that's wrong. I have an addictive personality. I, if I get hooked on something, what I mean, like, for example, I do love to work out, and I will be very passionate about it, and I will not miss workouts. We can be so myopic and so focused on something that's really good for us, and it can actually take us away from God. So be careful with that. I wanna, this is the point I've been getting excited about all week. This is the third point. So the first one is live one day at a time. Second one is disciplines equal freedom have boundaries. This is the one that when you, this is the one that I pray that God's going to do something in your heart. And I'm going to give you two words, and it's simple, and you're going to be very underwhelmed when I say it. You're going to be like, 
oh, that's it? But if you can do this for a lifetime, you will impact your world. Simple words. Choose Jesus. Yep, that's in there. I saw the shoulder sag. Oh. Now, I want you to, because I'm going to unpack this for you. You see, you need to choose Jesus every day. I get up, either before I get out of bed or before I get too long into my day, I spend time with God and I say, God, I surrender. I choose you today. I choose you to be my Lord today. I choose you to be my king today. I take myself off the throne. I put you on the throne. I choose you to be with me every moment of the, every day. I ask you to be a part of every word that I speak, every thought that I think, every action that I do. I know that I don't know what I'm going to face out there, but you're going to be with me. And God, I know I'm going to mis- make mistakes. And when I do that, God, will you please remind me that your blood covered it on the cross? And God, when I choose you today, I choose to represent you. Now, let me tell you, I don't say that to brag, and I don't, I'm going to tell you one more thing not to brag, but listen to this. For 44 years, I have not fallen away. I'm not the story that went to college and partied for three years and came back to Jesus. At 11 years old, I dedicated my life to Christ, and I said, he is worth it every day to say, I choose Jesus. Now, I want to tell you a story why that's important. In Matthew 16, there's a, there's a story where Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi, long story very short, is the Las Vegas strip of the Bible times. It is a bad place. There is a commentary that says respecting Jews would not go to this place because it was based off the worship of the god Pan, and they had a lot of debauchery, a lot of sexual immorality. They did sacrifices. They had a, they had a cave with a river that went into it, and when they would throw the dead bodies in there, they, first of all, they called it the gates of hell, great moniker. They would throw the dead bodies in there, and if they were accepted, the river would take them down into hell, and if they were rejected, they were pushed back out. What a fun place to make a great statement, Jesus. So he takes his disciples there, and he's, he's talking to them. And then let me just pick it up for you in Matthew 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. It's fascinating, the question because you live in this moment every day. Every day, you live in a world where you're gonna get up tomorrow and you're gonna go, okay, Pastor Chris said, choose Jesus. That's my prayer. I hope you get up tomorrow and that's the first two words you think of. Because all the world is gonna tell you what they think about Jesus. You're gonna get on social media and you're gonna see people say, oh, I love Jesus, exchange was great, that was awesome, that's so encouraging. You're gonna have other people go, who's Jesus? Is he real? Is he just a storyteller? Is he a figment? Is he just something that's made up? Is he Santa Claus? Who is Jesus? And social media right now is working so hard to say, we can cancel Jesus, we can negate Jesus, but I will tell you, The power of Jesus Christ will not be negated by social media. (laughs) 
And you are going to deal with compare. When we deal this, when we deal with even looking at other people, and we compare ourselves to others, and we see what the messages are, and it it can be frightening. And no one's going to admit that. They're going to say, "Well, that's scary," but it is, because when you go get up tomorrow and you say, "I'm going to choose Jesus," you get to choose that when you go to your school if you're in classes, when you go to work, when you go into a club, when until you go to let's say a gym club is what I meant. Um, <laughs> But wherever you go, people are going to look at you, and if you say, I choose Jesus, hopefully they're seeing Jesus in you enough that they might go, I need you to explain that to me. Now, let me tell you why choosing is really important. I told you I married Kristen 35 years ago. Do you want to know what my favorite thing about that is? It really is. 35 years ago, Kristen chose me. Kristen chose me to be her husband. So that she would say, hey, there's a lot of great other people in this world, but she chose me. And when she chose me, she said, no one else is going to take that place. No one else is going to be my best friend. No one else is going to be the person I spend my life with. No one else is going to be able to do things that only married couples can do. I mean, it is amazing to me that 35 years ago, she chose me. And I think that's what Jesus is looking for because when he asked this question and they answered, this is how they answered, they said, some say this, some say that. It's an easy answer for him because you know why? No one in the Bible, in the book of Luke, or excuse me, the book of Matthew at this time has said that Jesus is the Messiah because you gotta understand the weight of that statement. If they said Jesus was the Messiah, they would basically, they could be kicked out of the church, out of the Jewish religion, because they were saying he's God. Now think about that. Wait, are you saying that Jesus is God tomorrow? When you go to your workplace, are you saying Jesus is God with the way you carry yourself, the words you say, the actions you have, with the things you're thinking? Are you saying Jesus is God? Because you can say it in here and we can get excited about it, and then this happened. And this is the part, this is the part that just crushes me when I hear this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So who do the people say that I am? And then verse 15 says this. But you, but you, he asked them. So let me put that in perspective. But you, Taylor. But you, Abby. But you, Nick. But you, Susan, who do you say I am? And the reason, it's a terribly tough question. I will tell you, in my opinion, that is the hardest question in the Bible. Because you can point your finger and go, you don't understand. The way I was raised, it was my mom's fault. It was my dad's fault. Those guys said these words over me. And you know what? It's, it's their fault. You can look at somebody that, where you go to school or you go to work and you can say, you know what, it's them. They, they're messing with this or they're confusing this. No, I love Jesus the way he does it. He goes, so that's what they say, but what about you? Yeah. And you can't put the crosshair on anybody else when Jesus is looking at you and saying, who do you say that I am? Who are you going to get up tomorrow and say, I choose you? Are you going to get up tomorrow and say, I choose myself and I'm going to do whatever I want? 
Am I going to get up tomorrow and say, I choose what they think is acceptable so that I wear the right clothes and I say the right things and I do the right things and people accept me and people think I'm great? When I got to my 30s and I realized that was what was driving me in some of those things, I said, enough of that. I choose Jesus completely. You see, it doesn't mean you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. You can be a Christian from the age of 11 to what you are now and say, wait a minute, you're saying I'm a Christian and that's okay. Yes, you can be a Christian and still choose something other than Jesus in an area in your life. It's personal to me. When Mark and I talked about this message, and I've got tons of notes and I'm pretty much done. When I talked to Mark, I said, I would like, he goes, do you think you have a message for exchange? I said, Mark, I love exchange. I love the passion. I mean, I love the energy. These guys are, they are going after Jesus. And he said, what do you think you would say to him? And I'd say, choose Jesus every day because tomorrow you're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. You're going to blow it. And I hope you choose Jesus. I hope that you choose Jesus when things are tough because tomorrow might be tough. Someone might tell you you're not enough. They might say words over you that will tell you how not good you are. I hope you choose Jesus. You might hit one tomorrow out of the park and have the best day of your life. I hope you choose Jesus and take him with you. You see, when Mark asked me that, here's what I said to him. I said, Mark, I do have a message. If every person, think about this, if every person in exchange gets up tomorrow and chooses Jesus, you're not gonna impact Grace Family Church. You're gonna impact Tampa. You're gonna impact your workplace. You're gonna impact your school. You're gonna impact the world you live in. People are gonna see Jesus in you and they're gonna be like, I want that Jesus. And you're gonna be like, I can tell you about him. Yes, you do. I told you at the beginning, it's, there's a price tag for owning that relationship. The thing that's so funny about it, okay, I don't need those anymore. I'm done with that. I, I played a trick on you. There is a price tag, and you do pay it. But Jesus chose you. Just like Kristen picked me, Jesus chose you. You see, it says in the Bible, in Corinthians, it says that, don't you know that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit, but that you were bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. We just celebrated it this weekend. The blood of Jesus was shed on a cross so that not only did he say, I choose you, but in choosing him, now you have a relationship that whatever you need tomorrow, when you choose Jesus, you have everything at your disposal from an unlimited Savior who says, I'm right here with you. It's personal. He didn't just go to the cross because he had an agenda. He had, went to the cross for you. And my encouragement tonight is not to look around and think, what does everybody else think? Because I will say this. What about you? What are you going to do with that? Who do you say Jesus is? And so here's what we're going to do tonight. 
It's a very simple closing. We're going to let the piano play. And I'm just going to ask everyone to bow your heads. We're going to pray. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because that's not for me. I will tell you what my whole prayer is for this message. My prayer is that when you go to your small group tonight, I'm going to give you five things that you can think about as, you, as we go into this time. But as you just, I want you to think, hold on. I don't want you to miss what God has for you. And coming up to an altar or raising your hand would distract you. I want you just to close your eyes and say, God, what do you want to do with me tonight? Maybe you're carrying some shame and guilt that you've been carrying long enough, and you say, I choose Jesus. Maybe there is a fear that is gripping your heart right now because you have something that you don't know what God's gonna do, what's gonna happen, and you're going, God, I don't know what to do. I want you to choose Jesus. Maybe you need some discipline or boundaries put in your life because you have flirted with the edges, you've gone off the road, and you said, you know what, I'm gonna do my own thing, and you've been caught into something that's got you. I want you to choose Jesus. Maybe you're saying, I've been influenced so much by everything else, what the crowd is saying, and I need, there's a part of my life that I need to put a stand, like a flag in the ground and say, no more. I will be the standard, not them. My relationship with God will be the standard because tonight I'm going to choose Jesus. And maybe you're here and you go, you know what, Pastor Chris, I've never actually accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. You talk about having him choose me. Well, I've never chose him. But hearing tonight that God's love for you is greater than you can imagine, maybe you need to choose Jesus as a Savior. And when you go to your small group table, you go, you know what, I'm just going to be honest, guys. I need to have a relationship with Jesus. And don't care how embarrassing that makes you feel. So those are the five things that God just, as I was unpacking this, he said, those are five things that I think somebody's going to be dealing with one of those. So let me pray for you, and let me just let us have a few moments quiet, and then I'll, I'll come back up, and then Gabby will finish this off. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come in. Come into this moment. Come into this room. We invite you to touch our hearts. God, you know every person. Father, it says on the, that man looks at the outside, but you look at the heart. You've, you've seen those tears. You've seen the person who's wept and goes, does anyone know? Does anyone care? And you know that person, and you do care. I pray that tonight would be the boldest step someone can make with you that they would choose you every day. And then I just invite your Holy Spirit to do what you want to do in these next few moments. Heavenly Father, I speak a blessing over this group. I bless them with your presence. I bless them, I bless them Father, in a way that when they get up tomorrow and they say, I choose Jesus, that God, they would feel that you are right there with them. 
Father, I pray that you would bless them in every thought that they think. That, Father, the creativity would go to a new level. The gifting would go to a new level. The talents would go to a new level. But, God, I also thank you that that is also going to be an intimacy with you will go to a new level. God, I pray a blessing on them that, Father, they would see things that they've never seen before because they're going to see through new eyes that you're giving them. You're going to give them words to speak. You're going to give them actions that are going to change lives because, Father, they're choosing Jesus today. And, Father, I pray that you help them to finish strong. They're so young. They've got such a long road ahead of them in their life because you've got so much in store for them. What a great testimony that at this day, they said, I'm choosing Jesus, that they can for the rest of their life do that. What a story they are going to write. When they get that next job or they get married and they have kids and they, whatever they, whatever you got in store for them, God, let them see the results and the benefits and the joy and the results of knowing Jesus. Because if they see it, everybody around them will too. I bless them, God. I bless them because, Father, you've got great things in store for every person that's here in my voice tonight. They're not here by accident. This wasn't just a mistake or I'll just go meet somebody. You had an ordained appointment for them. But they've got to choose. And that's my prayer, that they'll choose Jesus. I thank you for tonight. I thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen.